information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. All right, everybody. So Zach Harold here with Bill from Iron Will. Bill, I'm sorry I can't pronounce your last name. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my fault. It's, it's Vanderheiden. Vanderheiden. See, yeah. I feel like I should be able to pronounce that quite easily. Um, <laughs> and we're here at the Phone Scope booth at Western Hunt Expo 2020. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out PhoneScope, be sure to check them out. It is probably the simplest way to connect your, camera, your phone to some type of optics. And also be sure to check out Pyro Putty. Uh, it's, it's waterproof, windproof. They have um, a battery-operated lighter that is just, it's incredible. So be sure to check them out as well. Uh, you know, big thanks to them for letting us do a podcast here. So I'm really excited to have Bill on the podcast and discuss his new broadhead that he came out with i actually i, I kind of almost feel like in a i'm in a little bit better position to have this discussion with you bill honestly because this year i shot your broadhead exclusively and before i you know i had i had looked into buying them and i probably had tested them but i didn't shoot them exclusively and this year i hunted with them the whole year okay great yeah so i'm i'm kind of excited to discuss um you know your your new addition to your broadhead lineup and uh uh, I mean, heck, we can touch a little bit on, you know, why, <laughs> why it was made and everything like that. And then we right. can jump into all the other stuff. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, we, um, you know, we had a lot of customers requesting a, a wider broadhead. We, you know, our, our customers were prim primarily kind of elk hunters, um, our Broadheads have been designed, our VNS series designed for max penetration on big animals like an elk. And, um, and and they work well for that, for sure. There was a lot of guys, often whitetail hunters um, or bear hunters, just wanting a bigger hole, just saying they were zipping through these animals, um, you know, with a lot of energy kind of left over um, with our VNS series. So I wanted a wider head. And it, initially, I didn't want to give them a wider head. You know, there's always a trade-off there as you go wider. <laughs> they aren't necessarily going to fly as well or penetrate as deep and, and things like that. So really spent a long, a long time designing, analyzing, making sure that it would be a good, a good head really before we decided to come out with one. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause it's not, <laughs> it's not like you just look at something and you're like, Oh, well let's just make the blade wider. You know, it's, it's obviously not that simple. So kind of, kind of dive into some of the some of the things that you had to take in consideration when it when it came time to make a blade wider because obviously the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of a wider blade I mean there's two things one with a bigger blade typically comes more weight right I mean if you got a wider blade right you've got to take out the weight somehow exactly yeah. exactly and then two you, you obviously are thinking well now how do I make that thing fly because it's just, it's more surface area. It's right. bigger, right? right? So those are two things that I, that come to my mind when I think of going from your, you know, like your, say your solid 100 mm -hmm. to what it's an inch and a half now or inch and three? Inch and three eighths wide main inch blade. Inch and three eighths, yeah. And three quarter inch bleeder. So a two and an eighth inch total cut. Yeah, which is big. <laughs> it is big. I mean, to me, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. me too. Especially when you're used to your, because what is your solid 100? It's an inch and a 16th wide. 
main blade, three quarter inch bleeder, so it's a one point eight total cut. Right, yeah. right, which I didn't have any issues with this year. Right, you know, um, but yeah, so so kind of kind of go through some of the some of the things you had to take in, into consideration when you started designing that that wider cut blade. Right, so I had those same concerns. I didn't want to make something that wasn't going to be as strong or fly as well. You know, we've become known to have premium broadheads that are very durable and hold up. Um, and that's why we give a lifetime guarantee. I didn't want to put something out that wasn't gonna be strong enough for sure. Um, and, you know, like you said, if the blade's wider, it's gotta, you gotta reduce the weight somehow. Um, you could go to a thinner blade and keep it solid, but really the, our, our VNS series are 62,000 thick A2 tool steel, you know, very strong blade. Right. And if you step that down to say a 50,000 thick blade, um, bending strength is proportional to the thickness cubed. So from a 50,000 blade to a 62,000 blade, you might think, oh, that's not that much stronger, but actually it's um, 1.9 times stronger. So basically double the strength with that gotcha. little bit of thickness change. And you know, the front of the blade takes so much, takes so much of that force on impact that I really wanted to maintain that thickness through there. And so, the way I decided to do it then was um, add some vents in the blade and just move them to a lower stress area through doing structural analysis on the blade and looking at, okay, where's the stress when we have a, a straight on impact on the tip or a side load impact on the tip or, um, you know, hit one of the wings. And so really needed to make sure I had material where needed for strength um, and then add, add the venting in it to get the weight down. Um, had similar concerns on, on flight. Um, so I do fluid dynamic modeling there to so I can model the airflow over the over the blades, over the head and try to kind of adjust geometry to minimize drag, minimize turbulence, minimize sound as well. Um, vented heads in general are a little bit louder than um, a solid head. So spent some time working on the, you know, the vent location geometry to keep the any noise low. And I think I think we achieved a pretty good one um, there on. On, on good flight, relatively low drag and relatively no, low noise. Um, and then went on to do some, you know, we had, we made a hundred um, of the wide heads in the late summer, placed them with 12 guys, um, took about 50 animals with them. Um, Aaron Snyder took like half of those himself. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, out of boy. He's a slayer, man. He is. He but just he works um, so hard too, which is awesome. He does. He and he he hunts a ton. So he's uh, you know, he's shooting a couple animals a week type thing. Right. Um, so getting a lot of great feedback from him and and when he yeah when he shot his mule deer with it and it went through the near side scapula and the far side leg bone broke the leg bone in two on the far side and just um, looked like a hatchet hit there and he's he's he sends me video and said man, you got to come out with these quick. I need, I need more of these heads. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, all the testing went really well. Um, we were primarily focusing on, on whitetail guys through our testing. Um, and you know, every one of them was excited about the results and just putting bigger, you know, putting that bigger hole through, um, like I tell people, it, you're not going to die any debtor, you know, and if in our V or S series going through the, going through the lungs, um, you know, on a good hit, they're very quick kills. You know, they, they're sharp. They stay sharp all the way through, slice all the way through. Quick kills. They've been working great on on elk, deer, and whatever, um, bears. But, um, you know, if just having that wider cut, 
I think if you hit back a little bit, say a one lung, one lung or liver or, or gut shot, really, that's where a, a wider blade might shine a little more to get that animal to, to not go as far, go down sooner, a little more blood on the ground, things like that. And that's mm -hmm. what I think people wanted them for. And, and um, people are real happy with the results on those kind of shots. Gotcha. And I, you know, I, I kind of thought that too. And then I had this year in Pennsylvania uh, where this buck comes out, not even a big deer, but it was my last evening there. And I, there, that was my first opportunity to state legal buck in Pennsylvania. And I've hunted there several times with my buddy. And I'll say, I just went there to go have fun. Right. I didn't really mm -hmm. care. And uh, last evening, this buck comes out that's state legal, a little like eight point or whatever, whatever the okay. hell you call them. You know, it's basket rack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Four by four, eight point, whatever. And uh, I shot under him at 35 yards. And then he goes out there and he stops at 45. And I draw back. And I take my time and I shoot and that time he was on alert. And I mean, I, I had it all on film so I can watch him drop, you know, 18 inches. It was crazy. And it literally just skimmed through the skin on his back. But until I watched footage, I didn't know that. Hmm. I thought that shot was just great because it felt so good, you know. So then he goes and he stands right on the edge of the tree line. And all I can see is, is basically like his guts through this opening at 60. And I'm thinking... He's still there. I'm still shooting. Yeah. yeah. I, I draw back one more time and I send one and it went straight through his, his guts. You know, turns out that was the only arrow that I actually hit him. Oh. Because uh, the first one I missed, like I told you, the second one just went through skin. And But until reviewing the footage, I didn't know that. Right. But. And you want to keep sending arrows if he's in range. Yeah. Right? I mean, just try to put him out as quick as you can. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of always been my mentality. I'm you know? the same way. I would do the same thing. Yeah. And so I'm here I am. I send another arrow. So it turns out that one that went through the guts was really the only, the other ones wouldn't have killed him. You know, the one missed completely and then was just skin. Yeah. And he's, he only went like 40 yards. I couldn't believe it. Cause I, I mean, that's the only time I could. And I don't know, I don't want to get into this with all the people that are going to leave comments, so please just don't leave the comments. But if you make a shitty shot like that one, more cutting has to be better. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but I mean, if you're making a good shot where it should have been, <laughs> right, which right. mine was not, that last shot was not. Right. Um, uh, if You know, it, like you say, you can't kill him any deader. I, you know, I get into this argument <laughs> with mechanical guys. They're like, well, if you hit him in the guts, you're better off with a mechanical. Like, well, yeah, but you could really err either direction from the vitals, right? If you go forward into the shoulder blade, leg bone, whatever, into bone, you want a durable, you know, strong right. head to cut through there. If you if you hit back, um, go through the guts, well, that animal is dead. It's 100% going to die. Um, and so, yeah, a wider cut would make them go down, go down sooner. Right. But I always lean towards get that durable head that, you know, and I like to aim a little closer to that golden triangle area anyways right. and get the durable head that's going to go through the bone if you hit it. And then if you hit if you hit back, but still dead, um, you know, back out going, hopefully it's 100 yards away or so or less and you can find it. Um, but, yeah, I think with this wider head now, you've got a better to me, a better solution than a mechanical, because if you do hit forward, it's still going to go through the bone. Yeah, um, it takes a tenth the force to penetrate versus mechanicals in my testing. Yeah. Um, so explain you're get that, explain pass that through. testing too, because it's not, it's not like you're grabbing onto two arrows and pushing them with your hands through cardboard and being like, Oh yeah, this one was way easier. you actually have a scientific way to test them. So kind of, kind of explain to that because 
until you had mentioned it to me when we were just chatting it that day we ate lunch. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that was even a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So kind of right, explain right, how, right. You, how you actually test that. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a mechanical engineer. I've been doing product development for other companies for 25 years, and and um, and I've really kind of applied all those engineering tools to this broadhead design development. And one of the tools we use is just an Instron, it's called an Instron machine where it measures force and you can set it up to go at, you know, whatever velocity you want. It'll have load cells in there. Then you can record the force over time curve from that. And, you know, from that you can get a peak force to penetrate. You can also like look at the area under the curve and that'll tell you kind of how much energy did it take to penetrate. Um, and I was, well, I've done this um, a few different rounds of this testing where I test our broadhead against others to look and see how much, how much force does it take to penetrate through, um, say, uh, high, most recent ones I did was a moose hide. It was a fresh moose hide, it was pretty mm -hmm. thick, um, on, on top of some foam. And I was just measuring the force to push down through that moose hide into about an inch of foam. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, uh, I tested a few of the most popular mechanicals um, and they took over 10 times the force so I think I was getting, for that thick moose hide, I was getting about 12 pounds force for our broadhead to penetrate through it. Mm -hmm. And then the mechanicals were building up to 160 pounds and then crushing the foam below it. So they didn't actually even cut through the, the hide yet at that amount of force. Um, they were starting to, but then they were like crushing things. So that was a big eye opener on how much force it takes to just get through that first hide and say the ribs. Um, so yeah, uh, a fixed, um, a durable fixed head that's sharp and stays sharp going through is going to be so much lower force to penetrate, give you so much better penetration distance through an right. animal. So you think that, that what you were just talking about where it was crushing the foam, um, what'd you say, 116 or 160? 160 pounds. 160 pounds. Do you think that that kind of initial force to get them to open up and then actually start cutting do you think that's why the holes are sometimes so big because it is like kind of pushing and pulling that hide with it before it actually opens i think it can be um and it's going to depend a little bit on the tip design and how how sharp it is but generally a lot of the mechanicals have just a uh, you know kind of a cone type tip or maybe right. a truck car tip but yeah that doesn't um that takes a lot of force to push through that hide so i think i think it does start say pushing that hide into the animal a bit and then the blades are starting to hit and cut and so yeah i think it can cut a big hole through hide because of that um but also if you're if you don't have enough energy in your setup it can also kind of you know bounce off or, or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah uh, depending on the size of the animal and things like that right right yeah or the angle of the hit and, and things yeah, like that as well that too yeah for sure because i mean you see people test on plywood or whatever else and if there isn't, you know, I, I always thought, you know, if, if whatever type of mechanical, if it hits at the right angle of that plywood and animals a little different than plywood. So it's kind of a, you know what I mean? I guess right. you might have to put like maybe hide over the plywood because I mean, true animal is it's going to grip a little bit somewhere because the skin wrinkles, everything like that. It's not like a perfect, right, right. you know, sheet Probably like that. Tear into the hide a bit or something. Yeah, something, something right. a little different. But, you know, I've always thought of like, wherever the, the blades end up when they decide to start opening could be problematic. You know, whether it be, it literally lines up perfectly on a vertical rib and both blades are trying to open into the rib. Right. Or, you know, you're, 
you're shooting at a quartering way animal and the first blade hits and tries to open into the animal and kind of kicks your arrow. I, I don't yep. know, yep. but it just, it seems like there's a lot of scenarios like that to where shooting a fixed blade, <laughs> where's your way? Where right, you? right. You take and, out a lot of fail, potential failure modes. I yeah. Believe. And I just, you know, I, cause as you know, I shot Valkyrie as well and I right. shot yours and I just think that if you can get a, uh, a, a fixed blade broadhead, to fly then you should shoot one right yeah and, and i think it comes down to sometimes maybe maybe somebody doesn't know how to do it maybe their arrow isn't right who, who knows there's there's a number of things that it could be mm -hmm. that the reason that the arrow doesn't fly right but if you can't hit what you're shooting at with a fixed blade you probably shouldn't shoot it right. yep. <laughs> you know but i you know I, I tested yours for a while and shot a lot with them and and i i had good success shooting them and I tinkered a lot with trying just all different fletchings and all sorts of stuff right. like that, you know, but, um, I would say in general, you know, 90 plus percent of the people, 95% maybe say they fly great for them. And then we get a few guys that, that, um, just have an issue. And, and usually I work, work through, cause I, I'm interested. What, what why? is your setup and why? What's different. And, um, and typically I can always find a problem with, um, say they don't they don't really know much about bow tuning and the arrows just not coming straight off the bow right and you know walk through walk through the kind of bow tuning with them a little bit get it get his arrow straight and, and then he's good to go um right another one can potentially be well they're shooting really little target veins on the back of the arrow um we've had a couple guys like that where if they just got a, a little bit bigger vein and all of a sudden their, their problems went away yeah. as well and then then the other thing is um just people kind of marginal on spine they're just underspined they're trying to add more weight up front because they hear you know foc is great and um and they're just they don't want to change their arrow so then they're, they're underspined they're trying to get more speed without being correctly spined and then you can have some poor arrow flight right from that right um, well everything starts going backwards then you know i mean right. if you don't have the correct arrow spine then it doesn't matter what broadhead you have you know, if your arrow is not spined correctly for your bow, then you're not going to get the flight that you're hoping to get out of that arrow, regardless right. of what you yep. have on it. And even if you have a mechanic <laughs> on there, you're just wasting a ton of energy. Yeah, nothing, with that nothing's kind of going to. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And, and I, I agree with that completely. I, I, I tend to actually try to lean a little bit on the higher spine side. You know, if if I'm marginal, yep. if I'm like, yeah, I think this 330 is going to work, it'll be close. I just get a 300. You know, and then. Then you know you're good. I'm the same way. I, I go for like optimal spine to a little on the stiff side because um, I found like I really found no negatives to being a little bit stiff on, right. on spine. And I think that recovery, your arrow just recovers quicker too when you're yeah. when you uh, your arrow has it struggles to recover when you're under spine, and that's why it's all over hell, yeah. as you know. Yep. Um, so from you know you you mentioned you sent them to twelve guys. I don't honor care to know who the guys are but kind of what were they just hunting kind of animals all over i know iron snyder was kind of hunting everything but what right. about the other guys were they kind of mostly focused on whitetails or where where yeah, kind of mostly were they? mostly focused on whitetails okay. that's kind of what um that's kind of why what it was targeted for a bit more because that's what uh, hundreds of whitetail guys were just saying i'm zipping through <laughs> animals i just want a little wire cut a little more and it's kind of funny you know, i tell them that Hey, our broadheads are are killing moose and elk quickly. They're, you know, why wouldn't they kill a whitetail quickly, right? Yeah. But you know, I'm, I, you know, from their point of view, is like, and I'm zipping through. I got a lot of extra energy. Why not put a little bigger hole through? Um, 
And so yeah, I could see that point of view and unbe- or bears when you're shooting a bear close up as well. Um, so that's kind of what I placed him with a bunch of guys that I know do a ton of whitetail um, hunting. Gotcha. Um, and like guys like uh, Les Welch was one of them. He, okay. He traveled a number of states and, and whitetail hunts. I think he shot maybe four um, four whitetails with him. And, and he's been shooting our broadhead since day one. And uh, he was really excited about the results. Even I mean, even though he's been shooting, say, the V100 and having great results, he was just excited about just the bigger blood trails um, and right. things like that. So um, he shot a few animals. I had a, another guy take um, – eight eight white tails he was kind of a hunt one of these areas where they're trying to reduce the number of um of does so okay he, he got a lot uh, of that's great yeah you know? that's great for testing yep one of these uh parks kind of thing where you have to you know prove you can shoot and all this stuff and get a special permit but then huh. he got to shoot a ton of animals so gotcha and so i got a really good and he made like PowerPoint photos and presentation there and all the results. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> but a couple of his a couple of his shots were pretty impressive. Um, one was one was a, a near side um, was that a scapula? I know it was a near side rib, far side rib, and then the knuckle. Um, so it passed through the the knuckle, you know, the base of the, the shoulder blade. Um, that knuckle's I don't know a couple inches thick at yeah, least. Yeah. Um, and it it split that right in two. I'll have to post that photo, but it, it split that thick bone right in two, got a complete pass through, stuck in the dirt, um, and it was a quick kill on the animal, and the broadhead is in good shape. So That's impressive. That, that, that's a lot of bone to go through. It was, and that, that's what I was worried about with a wider head is that, to me, um, I much prefer two holes than one big hole. So I want to get that pass through, especially on a, a whitetail or a bear where you've got this downward shot, so the entrance hole is kind of high. You want to have that exit hole to get good blood yeah, on the yeah, ground. And absolutely. so I wanted to have a head that was always going to pass through on, on white tails, you know, for the average um, hunter. Um, right. Yeah, that one, then he had another one that was downward through the spine and, um, you know, kind of right through that vertebrae and still got the pass-through shot as well. So he had two pretty impressive uh, results there. And, and the, other th- the other ones that um, kind of stand out, to me, to me, a wider head – um, if you're through the heart lung area, you know, it's going to die, um, with our standard heads for sure. If you're back and say you hit, um, a one long shot, um, or one lung liver, that's where a wider head I think shines more is mm-hmm. that, um, we had a few of those where the deer ran hundred to 200 yards and then, and then dropped dead. Right. Um, and it had a good blood trail getting to it. So in those, those hits like a, a single lung or liver, um, they're not going to die in a few seconds. You know, they're going to make it further than that. Right, and so right. the more bleeding you can do, the more trauma you can get is a good thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You know, and, and that's like, it, it all comes down to the end of the day, shot placement. Right. I mean, right. it does. And, you know, I've, I've even heard people go as far as, you know, if you have a field point and you shoot something in the heart, it's probably going to die. You probably won't have a blood trail, but it'll die, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it all comes down to shot placement. And like you said, it, it's already dead. How much more dead could it be? Right. But I, you know, having tracked enough animals and having lost several, more blood is nice. I, yep. How do you, how do you, there's no way to go around that, right? I mean, right. that is, that is exactly why there is being, 
knock systems designed with GPSs in them. You know, I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw that at ATA. So, yep. you know, so that you can, I don't know, follow the GPS to your deer or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's kind of an interesting idea, but you got 150 grains in the ass in your arrow now. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Well, we don't need to get on that. But I, you know, so, but like, like I said, more, more blood is nice. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why we added the bleeder uh, originally is right. just a crosscut, open up the holes better, get more blood on the ground. And, and this just does a, you know, a step up from that, even with the wider head. Yeah. For the for guys that really want um, that wider hole. And, you know, a lot there's a lot of elk guys that wanted this too. And and to me, um, you know, our, our V100 or S100 or, you know, 100, 125, whatever the right weight is for you, but our VNS series are kind of my go-to for, for elk um, when there's potentially longer shots, bigger animal. Um, but I think this will work really well for elk as well, depending on, on your setup. And, right. And, and, but there's a lot of guys that are coming back and saying, you know, I'm, I'm telling them shoot the VRS for elk. And they're like, oh, no, I'm shooting this wide. And I think it's going to be fine for, for a lot of guys um, yeah. as well. Well, uh, in, in the testing, did anyone shoot an elk with it? No, um, I didn't give it to any, <laughs> any guys that were going to hunt elk because right. I wanted to get, I wanted to get the results on, on deer, which is to me kind of what it was more targeted for. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm always a little cautious. I want to, uh, I wanted to make sure that, um, we had good results across the board and nothing that was going to make me want to do any design changes or redesign, you know? So we had had 50 animals or so taken the results were really good across the board and then we decided to launch it um this next year i'm going to be placed with a lot of elk guys too and just cool. see how we do yeah for battle mountain media updates and videos go to battlemountainmedia.com or battle mountain media youtube channel i think it's interesting right so when a company goes out like yourself and designs a new product you design that product with an intended use in mind Right. Right. And it's much like a company called Baku that, I, you know, I've done some filming for and they're, they're an e-bike company. Well, they just came out with a bike. All of their bikes are mid-drive motors. And that means just the motor is where the crank is, basically. Okay. And they came out with what they call the Flatlander. And, and the motor on that bike is in the rear hub. And it's not made for going up and down hills and all this stuff like that. But it's quite a lot cheaper than the ones that are because the components are not, aren't, they're just not as tough. They're not made to go up and down the hills. Okay. And I told them, we talked about it, and they talked about it before they even came out. They're like, you know what? Somebody's going to get this. They're going to try and ride up and down the hills. They're going to break it. And then, then what? You know, it's like, well, it says right there when you buy it, Flatlander. Like, it's right, not right. what it's made for. And I would assume, you know, when you're designing this wider cut broadhead, and that that's probably something similar in the back of your mind. Like, hey, I'm designing this for bears maybe an antelope, deer, things like that, but not really for elk. Not that it won't work, right? but this is my intended use, right? But that's why I didn't want to come out with it initially is the, I thought, okay, even though whitetail guys are going to shoot 20, 30 yards, I don't want to come out with a head that's not going to fly really well because I don't want to have all these people come back and say, hey, I can't get this to fly well at 50 yards. So even though it was targeting the shorter shots um i had all the testers shoot groups at 60 yards and report back and every one of them was shooting tight groups at 60. so um and and same thing on on durability um even though white tails a smaller bone um i did a ton of impact testing with with elk femurs 
you know, heavy bones, shooting through them over and over and, um, and didn't damage any blades um, or ferrules from that as well. So, yeah, I, I, and I knew guys were going to elk hunt with it. So I wanted to make sure that the, the force to penetrate uh, was low enough and the flight was good enough that they would still work well um, for, for elk. But, um, you know, not everybody's shooting a 70-pound bow, 30-inch draw, um, you know, like I am. So right. guys that are lower poundage or, or lower draw or recurves or, um, you know, whatever, I think you got to you gotta think about what's your situation. And, um, you know, our VNS series are, are deep penetrating. I mean, you can shoot end-to-end on it. A lot of guys are shooting end-to-end on an elk with those on, like, frontals and coming out the hind quarter kind of a thing. And, right. And... If you're shooting a lower poundage, I'd steer you towards those um, V or S series, that more compact head um, versus the wide. But it just kind of depends on each person's situation, what they plan to hunt, how far they're going to shoot, things like that. Well, I think a, a good point you brought up is, is you know, draw length and draw weight, you know, because I because, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pulling 73 ish pounds, you know, whatever. When the, when the bow's bottomed out, whatever it is, it's somewhere around there. Right. But. 27 inch draw is a lot different than your 30 inch draw. And so with that, you know, everything is slower, obviously, especially depend, depending on arrow weight. But you'll notice too, <clears throat> for anyone out there that is struggling with maybe getting it to tune a little bit better, just add a little more weight to your arrow and it'll slow down. It'll stabilize out. Yeah. And it probably won't be enough weight that you're that you're like, oh my god, this thing is so slow. You, you'll right, still right. be, um, you know, and obviously it, it'll depend what type of sight you shoot and all that stuff. But chances are, uh, chances are you won't notice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I shot uh, a couple things this year with your broadheads. Um, I shot two elk with them, and I was shooting solid one hundred. And I shoot your uh, your 25 grain sleeve or collar, okay. whichever one. Impact collar. You call it impact collar. Yeah. And then I also shot the 50 grain insert. So 175 grains up front. Yeah. And uh, man, they were flying like darts. You know, I shot the the one elk at 48 yards or something like that. And the other one at like seven yards. So it flew really well for all seven yeah. of those yards, Bill. <laughs> um, but that was really nice. interesting because I shot this elk he's he my son and i were sneaking through you know and he stand we're still hunting um because where i hunt there's so many people that call that most of the time they can turn around and go the other way so we're just still hunting through the dark timber and i catch movement and he starts standing up and i'm thinking you know what my kids with me i don't cow calf bull it don't matter because my tag's good for any elk it doesn't matter and I'm, I'm shooting you know yeah. and it's just it was just a bonus it was a good a five point bull you know it's just right, all nice. lucky and so i draw back and he stands up and i'm looking through this hole and there's like there little you know how some of the the pine trees have like those little little tiny tiny branches yeah and there was like three of those and i was like at seven yards that's not going to hurt me but what did hurt me is that my pendulum sight was set on 50 <laughs> <laughs> and i shoot and he was close enough i just hit him high shoulder and he just flinches and I'm thinking, what's going to happen now? Are we fixing to get ran over? I mean, yeah. you know, blood starts running down his side and then, uh, he turns and I'm at full draw already and he turns and runs through this opening at, you know, eight yards. So I, I shot him and that was a great shot, but the blood trail was phenomenal. I mean, it went through him and stuck in a tree on the other side, Nice that shot. 
and and but the blood trail was great and that was the the single uh or not the single the solid uh 100 yeah and then i shot another one i shot a deer quartering to me at 73 yards this year hmm. yeah wow yeah and i didn't shoot frontal you know it wasn't that much uh but i just hugged tight on that shoulder and it went through the the top edge of the scapula all the way through the deer and out the hind quarter and the only reason it stopped is I would assume it hit that that femur bone. Yeah. And that's what the hip area. You know, that's yeah. what stopped it. Right. Um and yeah, he ran, I don't know, hundred yards, eighty yards and piled up, you know, but I mean it flew great, it penetrated great, and there was more than enough blood to follow the blood trail. Yeah. So Well, I think our 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 S series, it you know, <laughs> extremely sharp edges. Um so our you know, we use a 60 Rockwell C hardness, A2 tool steel. So we can get extremely sharp edge, right. holds the edge really well, slicing all the way through. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of blades are, are dull by the time you start going through a hide or certainly a rib, whereas ours is going to stay sharp, slice all the way through and really kind of maximize the amount of, of bleeding you can get with that size of a, of a head. And, right. And yeah, with that cross cut, um, you know, with the single slice through, you can sometimes have them kind of close up but with that cross cut you know the 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 inner corners kind of that cross are just going to pull back they're not under tension and you can like after you shoot when you can look and see okay yeah there's a hole down in there i can see this cross cut going down through you know ribs whatever and it just it's enough of a hole that you you're always getting blood on the ground i feel and it's right. um yeah so i think that our vns series give give nice size blood trails as well yeah and i and i think i think it's something that's kind of deceiving I mean, yep. and I think, honestly, I think it's kind of a mentality thing that comes with a fixed blade broadhead. You look at it and not just yours. I mean, all of them, it's just, a, it's a smaller profile looking head and you look at it and you're like, oh, darn, is that thing going to make something bleed? Right. And I can tell you when you pull it out of the target and you cut your finger, it sure bleeds. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Man, that got me twice. And what's so funny about it is I didn't even think my finger was close. I looked at the shaft and I'm like, hey, the backside of these broadheads is sharp. And I start pulling it out and I must have moved my hand lower or slipped or something. And I just right through my finger and I was like, really, man, why? <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those like, oh, did I cut myself? Did yeah. I? Did I or not? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. There's the blood. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. But like you say, they're, they're so sharp that it's kind of like that. It's like, man, that didn't, that felt like i cut myself but and then <laughs> starts spraying blood you know i see that on animals too a lot of, and a ton of guys have told me this i thought i missed that animal just stood there like yeah you know zips through with such low force that a lot of times there's not a lot of um impact on the animal and it's I've, i get a lot of animals that that are dead within 20 yards and a lot of times they they don't know they're hit or they're like well something just happened they go a little bit and look around and, and then they drop dead you know yeah. so i think it's it's just such a low force and so quickly zips through a lot of animals that they just don't get that trauma and that, you know, smack that makes them run forever. Well, and like um, um, my first, you know, I had seen your broadheads before and stuff like that. But my first actual kind of in-person encounter, I was filming uh, Randy Peck in okay. New Mexico. And this elk comes running in and he gets drawn back and the elk kind of watched, you know, kind of spooks off, but then turns broadside. And he shoots, and all you hear is like a crack, like uh, like it hit a log. And I'm thinking, 
shit, he missed. You know, because I, because the elk just took off, you know, okay. and I'm like, I'm like, how the did you miss, man? <laughs> it's right there. You know, because I'm filming, I'm like, you know, how it is the camera yeah. guy, because the camera guy goes through all the same hell, but he's not, he doesn't have any control over who, if the, the shot gets made or not, you know? And I'm thinking, and I'm filming the elk, I'm filming the elk, and he looks back and he just tips over, whack. And I'm like, he didn't miss, <laughs> you know? But uh, what had happened is it just went through the elk so quick that it hit a log on the other side or skipped off a log or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, like I say, I, I honestly thought that he shot, I thought he shot right under it. And, uh, but no, no, he whacked it. My, uh, that sounds like my mountain goat shot this year. I had a, a 70 yard broadside shot on a mountain goat. And um, when I shot, it was, I mean, the, the arrow looked good. And I saw, I saw a little puff of hair come out right at the crease. But I also saw my arrow skip off a boulder on the other side of him. And so it was a little bit like, man, did I zip that through him that quick? Did it just skipped off that boulder or not? And he, he ran out, um, ran out to 99 and he stopped and um, he stopped, turned around, kind of quarter and two looking at me. And I was pretty sure I had a good shot already. And I did. It ended up going through a double shoulder. But um, yeah, I ranged him at 99, dialed my sight and I put a second arrow through yeah. it. 99 just dropped him right there. That's so and, cool. Uh, so what yeah. actually... I mean, we already kind of got to the punchline, but that is, I forgot all about that. You had a mountain goat tag this past year, which yeah. is, is Colorado once in a lifetime, or can you get like a nanny tag now? Um, I think I have to wait three or five years to apply again, but I, I think I can get back in the, and then you got to wait three years before you actually get in the draw. So um, yeah, I can, I can get back in it. It'll just take a while before gotcha. I can draw again. Gotcha. So did you did you have multiple stocks on different goats or was it kind of like hey there's there's one that's big enough for me i'm going after him and it happened like what i had um yeah i had a couple of stocks um and a couple of times they were they were just in places i couldn't get to them you know they're right. betting on the side of these you know i was camping at like twelve thousand two hundred feet and, and hunting up from there and you know one side um you know one side of kind of from the creek up was was terraced and I could get to that area pretty good, but the ghosts weren't hanging out there. They're on the other side, which was like these thousand foot cliffs almost <laughs> of course. with, uh, with just enough terrain in there for a mountain goat, you know, to get up and down. Right. So I was, I was scoping goats for a couple of days that I really couldn't put a move on. Um, and then when they were feeding, coming down to the bottom in the morning, I had a stock that kind of, uh, kind of blew out. Um, one of them saw me and they, they hustled out of there. And then, uh, and then that evening I ended up coming oh, and then they all bedded up in the cliffs and hiked all around, spotted a couple other little, little nanny groups. Um, but came back to these in the, in the evening and they were, they were feeding down through the, through this bottom area and it was still pretty rocky, but it was, um, it was an area I could get through and ended up, ended up belly crawling, you know, through the rocks for about, about 150 yards, I guess. Wow. From boulder to boulder, um, until I got up to where, and it was 19 goats, um, together and I'd been watching them. Uh, same ones I'd seen in the summer scouting to where there was three billies um, and the rest were um, nannies and, and kids. Um, but yeah, I got into, I got in, I was like 90. I'm like, no, nah, I need to get closer. And I got in a range of 70 and they were, I wasn't going to have much more time because they were going through the bottom and they're going to go up, up to the side. Um, but yeah, I picked out the biggest one I saw and ranged 70 yards and, and uh, made a good shot. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Was it, was it, was it kind of a, a kind of a, a sigh of relief, you know, like, oh, okay, my my 
possibly once in a lifetime. I mean, yeah, you can apply more, but you know, it's still going to be luck of the draw. Right. Right. Uh, was, so was it kind of like, yeah, I did it. Or was it kind of like, damn, it's already over. <laughs> you know, it was pretty exciting for sure. I, I'm an amateur mountain goat hunter. I mean, that was my first one, right? So, uh, you mean you I, haven't practiced every year? <laughs> no. So, I, I mean, I, I read everything I could, talked to guys that had hunted them, did a couple scouting trips. Um, and man, I loved every minute of it. That's I love cool. being up in that, that high country and that rugged. I'll show you some of the photos of where I got the animal, but it's just so rugged around there. And, right. You know, I, and it's actually a rifle tag I drew, um, but I didn't even bring a rifle along. You know, I was going to get him with my bow. Um, so no, I, I wanted to enjoy every minute of the hunt. And if I didn't get one, I wasn't putting that pressure on myself really. Um, I mean, I really wanted to get one bad, of course, but, right. um, and, and the more I saw him, the more I thought, man, this is, this is amazing, but it's going to be damn tough to get a shot on one of these things <laughs> just from the area that they were hanging out in. Right. Um, like I saw one, one giant Billy, uh, up in this spot that I just could not figure out a way to get to him without killing myself. And so <laughs> I've done a lot of dumb things, uh, you know, on hunts at times, but I decided to, to play it safe. And I was actually solo on a backpack hunt back in there. So, so that was probably solid, smart. It's probably solid not to try to scale the cliff on that Billy. But, you know, it would make for wicked drone footage though, you know, just, it's just like giant, giant you know super wide angle view of bill <laughs> scaling scaling this rock wall trying to get to this white puff ball down below him <laughs> yeah i do a little rock climbing but i didn't have my ropes and climbing shoes along so i wasn't gonna i wasn't going for that yeah i think i think i think having a bow in your hand kind of add to that too that'd be a little rough <laughs> right but no, i i really enjoyed that hunt and yeah it was great it was great to get one and see it and see a drop in sight that's sort of the reason I, I did that quick follow-up is because, man, the places they go are just some places you can't go. And sometimes right. they're jumping off cliffs and things. So. And you got to hire a helicopter to get them or something. I've heard of people have to do that. And that's put just... that follow-on shot and have them just drop right there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was like a, through the front shoulder and then out through the – it was like quartering on and out through the – near the hip on the exit. That one actually stuck in the dirt after a 99-yard shot. That's and it was impressive. the only patch – it was the only spot of dirt, you know, within a mile. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. Yeah, too. and then you got to use it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, now and then so what what about that mule deer, too? Because you, you got a, a great mule deer buck. I remember getting that picture and I, I like when I opened up the picture, I like yelled and everybody looked at me. I was like, wow, you know, I was like, yes. <laughs> and like everybody's like, what the hell is this guy? Doing? You know, it's kind of funny. But that was a great buck. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's one where um, I saw the buck. I saw the buck go by. Um, and it just was a fresh snow. And so I got I got over to where that buck was at. And I, I just, I tracked him. And I just kind of tracked him really slow. And every time I was cresting a ridge, just kind of trying to see him before he saw me. And, right. And, um, and yeah, I crested a ridge. And there he was going up the next, you know, so it was like across a, a little canyon. Um, and let me think the yardage on that one. I think it was, I think it was 62 or 65. Cool. Um, so it was it was a doable shot uh, for sure. Ranged him, and and he just he looked back at me and um, yeah, I touched off the shot and and right when I shot, he went up he went up and over a ridge. So I felt like it was a good shot. Um, you know, he disappeared out of sight right away. So I just waited a little while, went over there, 
got my arrow, it was covered with blood. Um, but I pulled back out just to kind of play it safe and and then went back in and sure enough, there he was, there not he was. too far, um, laying dead there. So that was a good buck. That's cool, yeah. And it, yeah, you know, when you said he was 62 yards and that's that's good. You know what, I think, in my, in my opinion, I think shooting distance is all relevant to the skill of the archer. I think yeah. a 150 yard shot could technically be ethical if the archer is able to make the shot. You know, I really do. I mean, because like, let's be honest, if somebody like uh, like John Dudley or somebody goes, yeah, I think I can make that shot. I wouldn't be like, no, you shouldn't shoot. I'd be like, OK, let a rip tater chip. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. And there was a time when my. I mean, there's a time when I've been bow hunting for almost 40 years now, and there was a time Me when too. my Me too. Me too, Bill. Yeah, since I was, you know, 12, I'm 51 now, so it's it's getting, you know, next year will be 40 years of bow hunting. Yeah. And there's a time when I didn't shoot more than 30, and there was a time when I didn't shoot more than you know 40 yards of my max shot. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I moved from Wisconsin to Colorado 20 years ago, and I passed up a ton of of elk and mule deer shots in that um 50 to 60 yard range and i just kind of started to realize hey, if i can push my effective range out to there i'd be killing a lot more animals yeah. and um and you know now i shoot to i sight into 120 and i shoot to 100 almost every day right and so yeah a 60 yard shot is is a piece of cake right. if the conditions are right you know yeah. if, if the wind is not too high if right. the, if the animal's not you know on high alert or, or whatever um but it's totally the guys, um, the skill level and how much they shoot, right? Right. And, and I think, and I think, just like you said, I think all that other stuff plays into it too. I mean, even someone with the skill level of John Dudley or uh, a guy that's actually he's coming on the podcast here at four thirty or whatever, Yosti, that guy shoots as much or more than anybody I know of, and he pinwheels stuff at 100, 110 yards with a bow. But he also knows that if the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour, you don't shoot 100 yards with a bow, right? I mean, right, that's, right. it's all, it's all got to be yep. relative. Well, if I can't, um, if I can't kind of go through my shot sequence and hold steady, I don't, I don't pull the trigger, exactly. you know? And so if, if I'm, if I feel like, okay, I'm settled, um, you know, um, relax my grip, I'm <clears> squeezing <throat> it off. If, if my pin's holding right on him, I know that if it goes off, it's going to, gonna hit right but if there's like wind or if i'm like um you know i tried to make a shot this year where i was i was sitting down i ended up sitting down facing the animal as i drew because that's kind of how i got pinned down oh and um and i drew back and i'm just like this is just not right i just this isn't gonna work uh, it isn't gonna work my form is poor i'm not holding steady i had to let back down yeah and right. so i i think if people are um you know honest with themselves on their shooting distance and when they draw back, okay, am I steady? Am I am I able to execute a good shot on this or not? Um, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, like you say, I think there's I think there's just way. I mean, yes, shooter ability is probably at the top of the list, but then everything else plays into it as well. And then what's interesting is you have, you know, someone like Randy Omer, right? Arguably one of the most well-known archers, even if you look at the tournament side. For a while, you know, he left a right. big footprint on the archery community, community, and he won't shoot past sixty. You know, and so it's interesting, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? There's there's both sides of that coin, but I think at the end of the day, if you're somebody that you think you can make the shot, 
and you're comfortable with it, I mean, I'm not saying go out and be like, yep, I can do this and you're all over hell and you know what I mean? But right. if you truly think you can make the shot and at the end of the day, then there's nobody that should be able to tell you no except for you. You know what I mean? Yep. But, but yeah, but no, it, it was, uh, it was, it was really cool getting those pictures from you. Um, and then, you know, being able to, to test your broadhead this year and shoot it out. You know, I didn't shoot the wide one. I didn't, after shooting that one, the one I shot, I don't think I ever will. I mean, unless you're like, Hey, test this on an elk, then sure. I would try and go shoot an elk for you. But I just, I don't know. I just, it, it performed well and I didn't, you yeah, know I, what I, mean? I carried up. I carried um, three S one twenty fives, three wide one twenty fives in my quiver all year. Uh huh. And I ended up, and I would just pick out which one depending on what the shot was Did potentially going to be. Did you end up chickening out, Bill, and shooting your one twenty five? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I'm very confident in that head and uh, my antelope. Um, I put in the S one twenty five because I knew I might have a longer shot. I ended up right. getting a a 52 yard shot on a, on a nice buck, um, public land buck antelope. Um, and you know, that, that distance, I'm, you know, either one would have worked fine, but, um, I mean, two, two, three years ago, I shot my antelope at 85 yards and that, that's a pretty good poke. Um, yeah. Yeah. And no, I hit, I mean, it was, conditions were perfect. I was shooting a V 100 at the time, but zero wind and he's broadside looking the other way, just a slight quartering away. It was just like an ideal conditions. And I never shot an animal, um, that far before, but you know, made 85 yard heart shot on it, on that animal. And, but, but anyways, so the antelope, I used this one 25 and then my, um, my elk hunt was next, I guess. And, uh, when I was sitting over a water hole in the evening, I put in the wide one, but, um, when I ended up sneaking on a bugling bull, I put in the S125. I just didn't know what the shot distance was going to be. And, and I'm getting a 52 yard slight quartering away and, and it zipped through them stuck in the dirt. And he ran another 12 yards. He ran to 67 and he, he hunched over. I mean, he, I think he was probably going to drop, but, but like you, I'm going to send one uh, if he's yeah. still standing there and 67 yard, I put a second arrow through him, <laughs> steep quartering away, complete pass through with the S125. I, I love that head for elk, you know, right. um, then I went on the mountain goat, which I described and that was a 70 yard shot. So I shot the S125 <laughs> for that. Um, and my mule deer as well. Um, so I ended up only using the wide heads for my whitetail. Um, I, I shot a whitetail in Wisconsin and Indiana. How'd it do? For, uh, for they did really well. Um, yeah, my my Wisconsin whitetail was about a 30-yard shot. Um, and it was just a slight, very slight quartering two. Um, but it, it was a double long. He was dead in, in 10 yards. And the arrow zipped through. And it was kind of a marshy marshy area. So it um, the ground was very soft. And it passed and this is a downward shot, uh -huh. 20 yard out of a tree at 15 feet. So you'd think I'd be able to find that arrow, right? I dug in that mud and I, I never did find that arrow. So I got plenty of penetration on that guy. Um, and then my Indiana one was probably about as far of a shot as I, as I've ever had on a whitetail, which was a 42 yard shot. And it was just a little, um, I was on one side of a kind of a ravine, a little Creek running through there. And I could see one area on the other side on one trail, um, happened to have a, a good buck stop over there on my last day of the hunt, you know, just before just, um, I probably had 10 minutes left of legal shooting light. And, and that one was, um, yeah. So a 42 yard shot zipped through him, stuck in the dirt also like at eight inches or something. So I had great penetration. That one was actually, um, that was a one long shot. 
And so he ran, um, I want to say he ran about a hundred yards, um, and, and was dropped dead there. So, you know, my, it just got dark. My brother came over, we went over there, looked, the arrow was covered with blood and we walked it out. So, um, to me, that was a great situation for the wide head is that you get a one long liver. And so you don't have the, the, as fast of a kill as you would on a double long, of course. Um, and they can go away. on one long. So, yeah, um, to go a hundred yards with good, a good blood trail the whole way and have them dead when we got there, you know, a short time later was nice. And it was a blood trail that you could, even though it was dark with the flashlight, I could just walk straight down it, you know, it was right. a lot of blood. So, right. Yeah. So, so have you started working on a new project yet or is you just kind of like, let's just, let's just keep working on this whitehead for a little bit. Or you got something else in the, in the crock pot. You know, I'm always working on, on stuff good. Uh, a year good. or two out. Um, I'm not going to reveal anything no, at this point, fine. but yeah, that's I, you know, I, I'd like to listen to customers and what they want and, and I don't give them everything they want. Cause often I just don't agree with what people necessarily want. Um, but if, when enough people ask for it, um, I start looking at it thinking, okay, these are the issue, potential issues I have. Why I don't really want to do it, but is there any advantage, would there be any advantage to that broadhead or, or whatever compared to my current product? And so I like to, I like to consider, you know, I keep a list going of things I'm considering for the next product, next head, but right. I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm feeling pretty good about our lineup right now of right. broadheads, you know, the V series, S series, the wide series. Um, then we have a buff series just without bleeders for the, a lot of guys are using for like Cape Buffalo and bison and stuff like that. Just yeah. The, biggest animals in max penetration yeah those are doing really well we've had a number of guys i think we had six guys this year get full pass-throughs on cape buffalo wow and the and the professional hunters um the guys are just like blown away like we've never seen this in you know 30 years type of a thing so, right yeah well that's awesome bill well when uh when the next product comes out or we just figure out something else that we want to discuss we'll definitely have to have you back on yeah we're not too far away so we'll just meet up get some launch and i'll give you a few to, to try out there so. we go i, I like to kill stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thanks so much for being on the podcast um everybody can find you at it's just not it's not iron will broadheads it's ironwilloutfitters.com yep if you, if you type in ironwillbroadheads.com that'll link you to the same place cool but, cool yep iron will outfitters um is our instagram our, our website facebook um youtube channel as well awesome so. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Bill. I appreciate it. You bet. It. Thanks for having me on, Zach. Appreciate it.